This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, my friends, time is my enemy tonight. Two lengthy shows, so I'll just sit back and listen along with you as Lucille Ball gets things rolling along as she entertains as Liz Cougat, who gets her portrait painted, but it's a big butt. She hasn't told her husband, George. We present My Favorite Husband, a new series based on Isabel Scott Rorick's gay, sophisticated Mr. and Mrs. Cougat, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Ten years ago, the town's most eligible bachelor, George Cougat, married socially prominent Elizabeth Elliot. The lavish wedding kept the society columns all over the country in copy for weeks. The New Yorker said, Bride and groom were dressed to the nth degree of smartness. Best man was a polo pony. <laughs> the Hearst Papers said, The bride and groom were dressed handsomely in attractive comment from guest Douglas MacArthur. <laughs> and the Reader's Digest said, The bride and groom were dressed. <laughs> well, after the honeymoon, George sold his polo pony, bought a stylish suburban home, took the first job that came along, fifth vice president of a bank. And now the Cougats are just George and Liz, two people who live together and like it. George says... When I married Liz, she didn't know a thing about keeping house. She couldn't cook, she couldn't sew, she couldn't clean. But later she overcame this lack of domesticity in a most ingenious manner. Liz says... I got a maid. <laughs> and now, let's take a peek at the Cougars. It's early morning, and there's husband George at the breakfast table. But where's wife, Liz? Oh, there she is upstairs in the bedroom with Katie, the maid. Well, this is certainly unusual. Liz is getting into a formal evening gown. Let me check again. Hmm, it's only five minutes after nine. Well, surely there's a reason for wearing an evening gown at this early hour. Oh, just a little more, Katie. Can you get the zipper up now? Yes, ma'am. Oh, the zipper's up. Oh, how does it look, Katie? Would you consider it too slinky? There's hardly enough of it to tell. <laughs> if you'll pardon me, Mrs. Cougat, I've seen more cloth on a Roquefort cheese. <laughs> it isn't as skimpy as all that. Now, where's my corsage? Oh, here it is, ma'am. I'll just pin it on here. No, uh, maybe here. Oh, well, what's wrong, Mrs. Cougat? There's no place to pin it. <laughs> I'll get you a gown that has a little more to it, Mrs. Cougat. Uh, but then... Then what, Kitty? You are having your portrait painted today, aren't you? Yes. Well, then maybe you'd better wear the gown you have on. Why? 
Well, as long as you're paying for a portrait, you might as well have as much of you in the picture as possible. <laughs> no, Katie, we might move to Boston someday, and I wouldn't want my portrait banned. <laughs> oh, here's a more sensible gown, ma'am. Uh, have you told Mr. Cougat about the painter coming today? Not yet, Katie. I'll tell him at breakfast. Now hurry and get me out of this tight thing. I feel like a ten-inch weenie in a five-inch roll. <laughs> Good morning, George, darling. Good morning, Liz. You're looking very... George, what's wrong? That evening gown. Well, you've seen me wearing an evening gown before. Oh, I've seen you wearing galoshes, too, but not at breakfast. <laughs> of course not. It never rains under the table. <laughs> <laughs> darling, the reason I'm wearing this gown is because I'm going to have my portrait painted. The artist is coming this morning. Having your portrait painted? Mm-hmm. What in the world for? Well, Alice Sturm had herself sketched, so... Alice Sturm, I might have known. The old story of keeping up with the Joneses. It's nothing like that, George. This is entirely different. This is keeping up with the Sturmses. <laughs> Darling, when Alice Sturm gave a party for an opera star, we had to give one for the Hall Johnson Choir. When Alice goes to Catalina, we have to go to Hawaii. Now, believe me, the day Alice Sturm has quintuplets, I want to be in Mexico. <laughs> What about me? <laughs> and just where is this masterpiece going to be painted? Right here, and by a very good artist, too. His name is Damon Welch. He'll be here in a little while. I get a kick out of those artist characters. I can hardly wait to see him. He'll probably be wearing a pink beret and have a rose clinched between his teeth. Long artistic fingers hanging down and sticking in the tops of his shoes. No. <laughs> Damon Welch is different from other artists, George. They say he's very big and strong and muscular, like, uh, who's that rugged, tall actor in the movies? You know, the one with the big arms and broad shoulders? Marjorie Maine. <laughs> no, uh, Victor Mature. Oh, well, don't be silly, Liz. Artists are all the same. They wear berets, live in attics, and smell of spiders. Hello, George. Liz. Oh, it's Corey. Come on up, Corey. Carbright, dear. Bachelor Deluxe, Danzel Delight. The kind of man you'd like to marry your sister. If you hated your sister. <laughs> How are you this morning, party boy? No party last night, George, but did I meet a beautiful creature? She had a smile like Lana Turner, a voice like Dinah Shore, and she kissed like Paulette Goddard. What do you do, date her or buy tickets to her? <laughs> Don't speak lightly of this woman, Liz, for I think that at last, Corey Cartwright is in love. You, Corey? Yes, George. I feel that this is the real thing. I think I shall marry this girl. Corey, that's wonderful. What's her name? Where does she live? Darn, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> hey, Liz, I just noticed you're wearing an evening gown. Yes, do you like it? It's nice, but isn't this softly late to be getting home? Oh. <laughs> Liz is having her portrait painted, Corey. Some artist named Damon Welch is coming over this morning. Damon Welch. You've heard of him, Corey? Heard of him? That's all Alice Sturm talks about since he sketched her. I hear he has big blue eyes, curly hair, muscles galore, a tan complexion, and stands about 12 feet tall. <laughs> really now, Corey, 12 feet tall. Maybe it is a slight exaggeration, but I understand that before he painted portraits, he used to paint rooftops. <laughs> without a ladder. <laughs> well, anybody could do that if they had a long brush. Or... Or a short house. 
Well, what do I care what he's like? Excuse me, I have to make a phone call. Who are you calling this early, darling? The time operator. My watch has been acting up again. Well, maybe Corey has the right time. No, I left my watch home on my other wrist. At the tone, the time will be 9.42 and one quarter. Hmm, 9.42. Have to be getting down to the bank. Right with you, George. I have a luncheon date with a girl who was a gorgeous blonde yesterday, and I'm anxious to find out what she is today. <laughs> Kiss me goodbye, George. Your kisses give me strength for the day. When Corey Cartwright kisses them, they stay charged up for a month. <laughs> Bye, darling. Bye-bye, Liz. Bye. Are you really going to the bank today, George, or are you just faking? What are you talking about? With that Damon Welch coming to your house today, I figured maybe you're going to sneak out and hide in the garage. Oh, I'd forgotten all about it. Doesn't worry me in the least. It would if you heard what Howie Sturm calls that artist. Why, what does he call him? A weasel with an easel. <laughs> Come on, get in the car, Corey. Hey, don't start the motor yet, George. The artist just pulled up in your driveway. Maybe we can get a look at him. Good. <laughs> I'm still betting he has a rose between his teeth. He's getting out of his car. Holy mackerel, George. He looks like the Empire State Building with a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> oh, he's not so much. I bet he pads that sweater with cotton. If he does, he must have the whole plantation in Uncle Tom's cabin under there. <laughs> Look at those shoulders, George, and that chest. Corey, it doesn't take much to have broad shoulders and a big chest. All you need are muscles. Let's go. Did you see that thick neck, George? Those pretty blue eyes? Well, so what? My neck isn't as thick, maybe, but I have a nice neck. And look at my Adam's apple, Corey. <laughs> oh, that guy didn't have anywhere near the Adam's apple I have. Oh, if there's anything that'll keep a home together, it's a big Adam's apple. <laughs> And as far as his blue eyes are concerned, my eyes are blue, too. Look at my eyes, Corey. See the pretty blue? Kind of hard to see the blue right now, George. Your face is so green. All right, woman, face to the left. I cannot paint your portrait unless you cooperate. Mr. Welch, I've told you a dozen times my name is Elizabeth Cougar, not woman. Very well, Mrs. Cougar. Now be quiet, woman. <laughs> well, one consolation, at least you know what I am. Your dress gives you away. <laughs> I don't like your nose. I shall not paint it that way. But I like my nose. It's a good nose. Don't change it. I've had it so long now, it seems like almost a part of me. Be still, woman. You're very rough, Mr. Welch. Woman, you're looking at a man who's painted the forest of Oregon and at the same time worked as a lumberjack. Sawing, climbing, cutting and chopping. One day, the man next to me was crushed by a falling redwood. I've seen many rough things. This is a man's world. That's why I'm rough. Did, did it kill him, the, the man the tree fell on? To coin a quaint old phrase, he was a real gone lumberjack. <laughs> You know, Mr. Welch, you and my husband have a lot in common. He lives a rugged life, too. What does your husband do? He's a banker. Oh. Well, that is rugged. It's plenty rugged. He goes to work every morning at ten and doesn't get home until after three. Just what's rugged about that? He has an uncomfortable office. <laughs> 
Liz? Liz, are you here? Oh, you're home early, darling. Hi, honey. Uh, how's the portrait coming? All finished, huh? <laughs> oh, no. Damon will be back tomorrow. Damon? You call him Damon? Yes, now. He was terribly cold at first, but he warmed up. <laughs> How warm did he get? Oh, George, I've just got to tell you all about him. You wouldn't believe that just an artist could have lived so much. Too bad he lived so long. <laughs> What'd you say, dear? Uh, I, I, I said uh, too bad he had to run along. You know, men certainly are misleading. Take Damon, for instance. There he is, an artist, but he's worked in the Oregon forest. And believe it or not, he's chopped down giant redwood trees. Well, I cut down the tree in the yard, the one that made the lawn so unsightly. That wasn't a tree, dear. That was a laundry pole. <laughs> well, it was a tree once. Did you notice Damon when you were leaving this morning? He came in right after you'd left with Corey. Mm, yes, I think I did. He was struggling to get his car door open. Didn't seem to have much strength. A tall, unhealthy-looking chap, as I recall. A padded sweater. Damon? Oh, George, I don't think so. He's huge with big muscles and a terrific tan. Yes, Liz, but I, I'm sure that under that tan, there's a naturally pale face. <laughs> George, what are you looking for? Oh, nothing. Oh, say, look at this. My old photograph album. Look here. This picture of me at the beach. <laughs> you noticed the muscle? Oh, yes. That was the day you and Jimmy Paterno and Howie Sturm and the whole gang made the human pyramid. Yeah. Takes a lot of strength to support all those men. Yes, it does. Look at my muscles. Oh, there you are, right on top. <laughs> oh, it uh, takes a lot of strength to stay on top. There was quite a breeze that day. Here's, <laughs> Here's a picture I like. You and me in a rowboat at Simmons Park. Look, your sleeves are rolled up. Say, your arms were pretty big. Of course. <laughs> of course. I can't remember why I was rowing. <laughs> well, I was saving my strength for the potato race. Are you sure you love me, Liz? Oh, silly. Of course I love you. Why shouldn't I love you? Kiss me. Feel those strong arms around you? Mm-hmm. I'm plenty strong, Liz. Way back in kindergarten, I used to beat up all the little kids. I'll, be, I'll just bet you still could. <laughs> Kiss me again, sweetheart. Liz, are you positive you love me? I'm the only one, nobody else? Oh, don't talk this nonsense. Just hug me tighter. Make believe I'm a tube of toothpaste and pop my cap off. <laughs> Well, I feel great now. Oh, George, you know, I was thinking today, you don't have any hobbies. I believe I know of an interesting one for you. No hobbies? I have my bird collection. Six starlings and a dicky bird. <laughs> what did you have in mind? Why don't you take up painting as a hobby? Painting? Oh, Liz, I'm going to bed. Going to bed? Don't you want your dinner? I won't need any dinner. I'll just go upstairs, pull the covers over my head, and eat my heart out.
You are listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. This is the story of my favorite husband, George Cougat, and his favorite wife, Liz, who, like most married couples, alternate in making each other first happy and then miserable. Well, at the moment, Liz is in the middle of having her portrait painted by the handsome and virile artist, Damon Welch. This makes Liz quite happy and George quite miserable. Now George thinks this is quite wrong, and chances are he's quite right. And so he's decided it's quite time he did something about it. It's the next morning. Quite. George, darling, you aren't eating your breakfast. Oh, I'm not very hungry, Liz. Didn't sleep last night. I'm going to stay home today. Stay home? George, are you ill? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm sick. Awfully sick. What's wrong? Oh, I, I, I don't know, Liz. Maybe it's, it's painter's colic. Painter's colic? Well, that is, the, the inside of my mouth feels like a brush. <laughs> I'd better call Dr. Buell. What do I want with a doctor? Well, you just said you were sick. Oh, yeah. Uh, call a doctor. Oh, it's Damon. Katie! I saw him coming, Mrs. Cougar. Oh, good morning, Mr. Wells. <laughs> good morning, woman. Step aside and let genius enter. I wish she'd slammed the door on his genius. <laughs> good morning, woman. Good morning, Damon. This is my husband, George. You may just call me man. George isn't feeling well, Damon. I'm going to call the doctor. What's wrong with him? He looks well enough. Trouble with you, Cougat, is that soft, decadent living has finally caught up with you. You should get out of doors, do some exercises, run the mile, do some chin-ups, push-ups, chop some wood, mow the lawn, pull some weights. Tote that barge, lift that bale. Oh. Please call the doctor now. I'm worn out. George, let me have a look down your throat. Certainly, Dr. Bill. Ah. Uh, hmm. Doc down there. <laughs> uh, uh, don't swallow, George. This is my best flashlight. <laughs> There's nothing wrong there. Exactly what seems to be the trouble, George? Well, Doctor, it's... I feel kind of things. First it, it starts, then it stops... Then it goes again, then it backs up, and then it twists completely around. Uh, what does it sound like to you? A woman driver. <laughs> Come on now, George, tell me what's wrong. Well, Doctor, you see, Liz is having her portrait painted by some artist who, who has muscles so big they, they get up and walk around, and I just... Oh, I believe I can diagnose your case now, George. Acute jealousy-itis. Is, is that anything like borderline anemia? <laughs> Jealousy-itis is serious only if it isn't checked early. Fortunately, I believe I have with me the very thing you need to snap you out of it. <clears throat> Miss McCarthy, I just happen to have my nurse with me. Nurse? I don't need a nurse. Yes, doctor? Marianne, this is Mr. Cougat, our newest patient. I tell you, I don't need it. A... Oh. How do you do? Uh, forgive me for not standing up in bed, but I only have on the pajama tops. Is he still enough to require a nurse, Doctor? Well, he said he wasn't. Uh, 
What about it, George? Oh, I ain't long for this world. <laughs> Sit still, woman. I cannot paint your portrait unless you relax. I don't make moving pictures, you know. Well, when are you going to paint in my hair? You still have me bald-headed. I don't like myself bald-headed. I look like my mother was frightened by Guy Kibbe. I'll paint in your hair when I see fit, woman, and not a second sooner. Until that time, you'll remain an egghead and like it. Damon, do you ever smile? I laugh sometimes. My sense of humor is a bit unusual, however, not on the beaten path. Well, what's funny to you? Well, <laughs> I laughed heartily when my friend Chadwick fell from the roof of his school in Paris. <laughs> Did Chadwick see the humor in it? Oh, he screamed. <laughs> yes, I'll never forget it. Fractured half the bones in his body. <laughs> yes, he must have been all broken up. <laughs> Miss McCarthy, did you hear that? My wife and the painter were laughing down there in the study. What could they have been laughing at? Do you have a steamboat in the house, Mr. Cougar? Steamboat? Well, of course not. Well, then they couldn't be laughing at Fulton. Oh, I'm serious, Miss McCarthy. I don't like them to be laughing. I'm going downstairs. Hello? Hello, darling. What are you doing out of bed? I, uh... Well, I heard some laughing. Uh, what was all the laughing about? Oh, Damon was telling jokes. Oh, how nice. Mind if I stay a while? I know one person who objects. I cannot paint with an audience. What a horrible painting. George! No, no, let him criticize. All genius must be criticized. But I still do not want him around. Out! Take your linted bathrobe with you. <laughs> well, as long as you're busy, I'll go back upstairs. Goodbye, darling. Well, goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Nice trip. Be sure and write us. Oh, Damon, you know something? I think my husband came downstairs because he's jealous. <gasps> jealous? Jealousy is stupidity. Yeah. Yes, I guess he could be jealous. Well, I'm glad he's jealous. Oh, it makes me feel that I'm wanted. You are. I want you to sit still. Are you, uh... You never get jealous of Mr. Cougat, do you? I mean, the fact that he's upstairs right now with that attractive nurse. That doesn't faze you in the least. Of course not. Good old faithful George. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what? Damon, that was George and that nurse. Oh, so? You aren't worried about good old faithful George, are you? Certainly not. I'll be right back. Where are you going? I got to see a man about a nurse. <laughs> Hello. May I come in? Yes, Mrs. Cougat, but you mustn't stay long. I have a naughty boy on my hands, and I don't want him to get excited. <laughs> That's why I came up. How are you, George? Oh, it's awful. I just had a relapse. I accidentally plugged my electric heating pa pad into the radio, and H.V. Kaltenborn got in bed with me. He's hilarious. Yes. You better go, Mrs. Cougat. Yes, I'll, uh... Goodbye, George. 
Miss McCarthy, uh, wouldn't you like to come downstairs and boil a few thermometers or something? <laughs> I'll be right here with Mr. Cougar. Well, bye, George. He's gone now, Mr. Cougar. Why were you playing sick? Because I wanted sympathy. Lots of sympathy. <laughs> you know something, McCarthy? I think Liz came up only because she was jealous. She must have heard us laughing. You know what that means? My capacity of a registered nurse, I'd say she has clean ears. <laughs> it means she loves me and worries about me. She's jealous. <laughs> then you need have no further worry over the painter. None whatever. He'll be laughing again soon, but I won't worry about it. I wonder why they aren't laughing. <laughs> McCarthy, they're not laughing. Doesn't that please you, Mr. Cougar? No, they should be laughing. Where do you think you're going? I'm going down there and find out why they're so darn quiet. Where is he? I'll break him in half. He's gone, George. Gone? He he's not here anymore? I had to get rid of him, darling. Why did you have to get rid of him? Because I knew that if he left, you'd stop playing sick, and then Miss McCarthy could get the heck out of here. <laughs> oh, were you a little uh, jealous of Miss McCarthy? Of course not, but... I know you were jealous of Damon. That's ridiculous. George. Yes, Liz. Who do we think we're kidding? So he uh, left, huh, George? Yes, Corey. He left. And George was really very nice to him. How lucky you were, George. Suppose, instead of going quietly, the man with the big muscles had gotten tough with you. Oh, Corey, you're just trying to stir me up. No, seriously. What would you have done if the painter had wanted to fight? Oh, I, I'm sorry, George. I shouldn't embarrass you this way in front of Liz. If Damon had wanted to fight, George would have fought, wouldn't you, darling? Wouldn't you, George? Why, certainly. If I had his phone number, I'd call him up right now and tell him a thing or two. Oh, I have his phone number, dear. Here. Oh, well, thanks. When Damon answers the phone, I'll catch you, George. Hello, Damon. This is George Cougat. I've changed my mind about being nice to you. If you want to fight, just come over here whenever you feel like getting knocked for a loop. You got anything to say to that? At the tone, the time will be 9.27 and one quarter. Well. George Cougat. Kiss me. Kiss me this very instant. Why right now? Because you've got your dander up, and you're just dandy with your dander up. In just a moment, Lucille Ball and Richard Denning will be back with us. George, are you asleep? No, darling. I'm not asleep. Do you love me, baby? Yes, I love you. How much? Lots. Well... In terms of pounds, how much do you love me? 
Three pounds, six pounds, seven pounds. Twelve tons. <laughs> I love you a hundred tons. Now, you have a bigger truck. <laughs> George, no matter what happens, will you still love me, even when I'm old? I'll still love you when you're old. Will you take me out? Yes, dear. I'll wheel you around the block every day. <laughs> George, something strange happened to Katie tonight. Really? What was that? Well, tonight around 9.27, Katie picked up the phone extension in the kitchen and heard a man shouting at the time operator. Good night, George. <laughs> Stay tuned for The Green Hornet next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 in downtown Toronto. Time now for The Green Hornet. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. Faithful valet Cato, Brett Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Brett Reed as he races toward another thrilling adventure. The Green Hornet strikes again. Hurry, Cato, we're out to smash a parking lot racket. I want 10% from every parking lot in the city, understand? We're getting them lined up fast, Bleacher. You gotta make it faster. Get out and start collecting that dough. I want more money coming in. 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 65. Where's that dough, Carson? I'm not paying any money for racket chiselers like you. We'll be back to persuade you. Go! They won't listen to reason. Smash a couple of the cars. Throw a couple of bombs. Start a few fires. They'll lay it on the line. 20, 230, 240, 250, 260, 270, 280, 290. Parking lot. Toss that bomb. Is she going? 
A bomb! Like the cars! It's some racketeers! 500, Some blasted rat's gonna slash all the tires in the lot. Have to pay plenty for this. Morning, Blake. How's your parking lot going? <laughs> What's you bleeding? Ten percent, Blake. Pay it and you won't run into grief with your parked cars. All right, you got me. I'll pay. Yeah. Ten, twenty, thirty, forty. Pay up. Pay for protection. Wreck cars. You're ruining my business. Ten percent or out. Okay, I'll pay. You win. Go for the racket. Kick in. Ten percent. Here you are. Don't smash any more cars. I'll pay. Hand it all over. Here's the money. <laughs> there we got a wind up. Count the money, man. We must have driven downtown early. Why, expert? No earlier than usual. It's in Holy Crow at first, the parking lot so empty. You don't think... Say, Reed, today and Sunday, is it? Don't tell me we made a mistake and come down to the Sentinel on Sunday. Why not? The Sentinel's a daily paper. There are plenty down on Sunday. Yes, but so for the snakes, I never come down... <laughs> Relax, expert. It's not Sunday. Look at There ain't hardly six cars in the parking lot. <laughs> Morning, Mr. Reed. Hello, Schaefer. What are you wearing the long face for, Schaefer? You're looking like a candidate for the mark with the other cadavers. You better go to that parking lot across the street, Mr. Reed. What? I uh, can't handle you here. Superman Snakes, what's he trying to do? Don't you like us? Or maybe Reed's sedan ain't good enough for your parking lot, giving us the cold shoulder. Shut up, Axford. Can't you see something's wrong? Huh? Oh, golly, is there? Why can't we park here, Schaefer? There's plenty of room. Yeah, after all the accidents I've been having. Yeah, we've heard about them at the Sentinel. So the city... It may take away my parking lot license. Golly. The insurance company has already turned me down as a bad risk. So since you're a particular customer of mine, you'd be better off at another parking lot. Your license hasn't been revoked yet, has it? Not yet. I have my own insurance on the car. Hey, Reed, where are you going? Get out, Axford. We're parking the car here. Uh, Mr. Reed, I... Car's yours, Schaefer. I'll call for it at the end of the day. Suppose something happens. What about these other cars? Well, I told them the same thing, but But no... they wouldn't listen, Well, put me down as the same kind of sucker, then, Schaefer. Well, this is swell of you, Mr. Reed. You see, Schaefer, I know something about those, uh, those accidents. How do you read the way you say it? You don't mean accidents. I don't. You've heard of Bleaker. You mean the racketeer? He's behind your trouble, isn't he, Schaefer? I won't pay that dirty rat one red cent. Mm -hmm. I thought that was it. Ten percent he wants for protection. Yeah, protection. Holy crow, why don't you tell the police? I've told everyone. What good does it do me? No, don't tell me he's bribing the police. Of course not, Axford, but Bleak, you're smart. That's it. Everybody knows he's pulling the racket. But how can you stop it when you can't get proof that it's his gorillas who go around smashing cars and cutting up the tires in parking lots? You've heard that happen? Oh, everything. And still you refuse to knuckle under? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I ought to pay the 10%. Yeah, you've fought them this far. Why lose your fight now? I wouldn't mind if it was fight so long as it was a fair fight. But them rats work in the dark. And the police can do nothing, huh? Not a thing. I see. Hey, Reed, what are you daydreaming about? Daydreaming? You had a kind of faraway look in your eye, like you was up to something. Only just when I was getting me brain around and figuring out what, you lost that faraway look, and golly, no, I can't tell. <laughs> You'll just have to wait till that look comes back. Ah, you got something up your sleeve, I know it. Just as well you're not a mind reader, actually. Huh? There are times when I like to keep my thoughts to myself. 
And this is definitely one of them. Letters, letters, and more letters. How do you bake a chicken pie? <laughs> is barbecued beef made in barber shops? Gunnigan, <laughs> if you keep grinning at me, I swear I'll get the screaming memes. <laughs> Don't you like my always, Miss Gage? No. But even less do I like handling this cooking advice for the homebody column. It's only for one day. Somebody had to take Miss Topper's place. Good grief. Why does Mr. Reed have to pick this one day to be out of the office? It leaves me with so little work on my desk that I just couldn't excuse myself from this. Casey, why don't you take those letters back where they belong? I like it better here. This is the city editor's cubbyhole. My cubbyhole. Hmm. It could do with a good cleaning. Don't go domestic on me. Why not? I'm reading very domestic letters. Miss Topper's desk is out in the city room. See? Through the glass. Out there. It's too drafty. I like it better here. Or did I say that? You did. Well, here's a typewritten letter. Most of them are in longhand. All right. One housewife can have a typewriter. No law against it. Well, let's see what recipe she wants. Go ahead, Casey, but never mind the talk. Okay, I won't bother you. <laughs> Casey, what's the idea of knocking the typewriter table over? If that's your substitute for talk, uh, you... Gunnigan, this, this letter... What's the matter with you? Why, it's from a man, not a woman, a man. So what? Men are interested in cooking? Read it. Go ahead. Listen, I have a front-page makeup to schedule. Read it. Does it say what I think it does? In cooking up a stew about... Oh, Casey, I'm not interested in this hooey. Good grief, will you finish? There's more. In cooking up a stew about a certain type of racket now being worked, jump in blue blazes. It's about the parking racket. That's what I read, too. I couldn't believe it, but look. Look at the signature. Signature? Well, I'll be a first cousin to an animal trainer. It's signed the Green Hornet. That's what I thought. The Green Hornet. That crew's got a sense of humor. Sending it to the Hints for Housewives column. It's the first time anything sensational came to this column since that cook sent in a recipe for hot buttered scones. Never mind the banter. This is big. Where are you going? Larry! Hey, Larry! Take your elbows off that desk and come in here. Casey, get on the phone and call the studio. What for? Get them! Tell him I want a sap made of this hornet letter. Half tone for the front page. Right. Give me the dark room, operator. What's the four-star special, Chief? Get in here and close that door. We got a note from the Green Hornet. Huh? Holy mackerel. The door. Hmm. What about? What did it say? Here. Read proof on it yourself. Oh, talk room. Send a boy to the city desk. There's a rush job on a snapshot, and Gunnigan's waiting. Where is that something? Great guns. According to this, the Hornet's coming right out and saying he's going to take that racket away from Bleecker. One crook fights another. That's going into print in the Sentinel. Are you sure this is on the level, Gunnigan? It hasn't got a Hornet seal. Gosh, that's a thought. Yeah, why isn't Reed here? He's an authority on the Hornet notes. He checked the paper it's written on. I don't know where he is. Holy cow, Gunnigan. Guess what? Expert, this is no telephone booth. Get back. <coughs> Reader. Glad you're here. Boss, take a look at this. We run into more excitement, it seems. More? It, there can't be more. What this guy's got to show you is more exciting than anything you got, Gunnigan. What guy? Who is he? His name's Schaefer. He runs a parking lot across from the Sentinel building. A parking lot? Well, that's just what we were talking about. He got a threatening letter. What? Yeah, he's going to get dough from me or else. Now, wait a minute. One thing at a time. Read. We got a letter, too. I'm telling you, it can't be as important as this, Gunnigan. Why, golly, Schaefer got a threat from the Green Hornet. So what? The letter we got... What? What's that? The, the, the Green Hornet? Yes, Gunnigan. 
Axford and I got into the parking lot when he was looking it over. What are y'all staring at us for? Because your big lug, this letter is from the same writer. Holy crow! The Hornet? You must have mailed them both at once, boss. Hey, let me see that. I'll compare them. Yeah, there's no doubt, Gunnigan. These are identical. Same paper. The Hornet? I'm as certain as... as if I had written these myself. That's uh, bad business, Mr. Reed. I've been standing off bleaker, but now if the Hornet stepped in, I'll be getting from two racketeers. You keep your chin up, Schaefer. When the Sentinel prints this and the news gets around, Bleeker and the Hornet may battle it out just long enough for the cops to pick up the remains. Sentinel Hornet X-ray! Green Hornet steps in on parking lot order! Green all up on it! Racket threatened as the Brett Reed returned to his apartment that evening and spoke to Cato, his valet and the only living man to know him as the Green Hornet. Cato. Cato. Yes, Mr. Brett. The Sentinel's out in the street with the two Green Hornet notes I wrote. It's time for us to get moving. You want a black beauty? The car and the mask, too. I'll need the gas gun as well. Blaker is reading the Sentinel himself, like everyone else in town. We've got to be ready for him. <laughs> Don't shout your lungs off me. I already saw the sentinel with them two green hornet notes. That guy's got a nerve. You gonna let him step in? I was just talking to Hackley. You want the car? The car, sure. I want you and Dirk to bring your guns. We're going to be ready for the green hornet. A lot depends on how Schaefer reacts, Cato. He's almost at the end of his rope. He can't hold out against those racketeers much longer. He's a brave man. Yeah, he's taken a lot from those rats already. Cars smashed, tires ripped open. His business is practically sunk. That is true. Unless I'm mistaken, Bleeker's going to make it even tougher now that he believes the Green Hornet is muscling in on his territory. I see. Open the sliding panel, Cato. We're going to the hiding place of the Black Beauty. Where are you going? Bleeker is just the kind of gorilla to make sure that Schaefer doesn't slip out from under him now. He wants whatever extortion money Schaefer is paying out for himself. And it's up to the Green Hornet to stop him. It all depends on that mug, Schaefer. We've been putting enough pressure on him to make him ready to crack wide open. His business is shot already. He can't keep holding out. He's got plenty of water to take. He's due to crack. But get this. Schaefer's paying us, not the Hornet. Nobody's muscling in on us. We better get moving. Where's the car? In the garage, waiting. Okay. Open the door, May. Where are you going, Baker? Me and the boys are paying a little social call on Schaefer. Got the car already, boss. All right. Get in. Take the wheel, Dirk. You better be careful when you get to Schaefer's parking lot, Bleeker. The cops can read the papers, too. We'll wait until it's clear for us to go in and talk to him, May. Get going, Dirk. We're going to stop that crook that calls himself the Green Hornet. As Bleeker's car swung into the street and turned toward Schaefer's parking lot, a huge sleek black car started along behind them. It was the car of the Green Hornet. Curtain falls on the first act of our Green Hornet adventure.
Now to continue our story. In the Black Beauty, Rick Reed and Cato trailed the racketeer's car until they were certain Bleeker was heading for Schaefer's parking lot. Keep watching them, Cato. If they turn that next corner, there won't be any doubt about where they're going. Yes, sir. Fortunately for us, it's too late for there'll be much traffic on the streets. Otherwise, we might be running constant risk of being recognized as the Green Hornet. Mr. Brett. What is it? The car. Oh, yes, Bleeker. He's turned the corner, Cato, heading for Schaefer's lot. Quick, turn in this alley. But, Mr. Do Brett. Do as I say. Swing the Black Beauty in here. Hurry before we're past it. Good enough. I don't understand. Why we didn't continue after them? Yes, but... Those three crooks were desperate men, Cato. They're sure to be heavily armed. If the Green Hornet walked in on them, we'd run into a hail of lead. Wait here a few minutes to give them time to get to where they're going. I'm going into that drugstore to make a phone call. And I want to be certain Bleeker is there when that phone rings. There's Schaefer talking to a cop. <clears throat> Come on. Who's going to take care of the cop, Bleeker? I'll handle him. This way. We can get around behind the shack he uses for an office and slip up on him before they know it. They're standing right next to the door. Take care of that cop before he spots us, Dirk. I don't want any interference when we start talking to Schaefer. The tap over the head will take care of him. Uh, take it easy now. Here's the shack. Head around this way so we'll come right up behind him. There ain't nothing happened yet, Schaefer. And there won't be nothing. You've got police protection now. Protection? Why don't you get those racketeers? We'll get them. We need proof, that's all. Bleaker. And now the Green Hornet. Better make one slip and we'll pick him up so fast you won't see him for the dust. Meantime, my business is ruined. You're okay now. I got to... Take him. Look out. What the... No, you don't, copper. Oh, you inside, Schaefer. Oh. You hit him with a blackjack. I saw it. Inside. What do you want? Let me do a job on him, boss. Keep an eye on that cop. I don't want him coming to and identifying us. Okay, Bleak. You can't shut me up. I'll tell the police. As long as the cop didn't see us, you can blab all you like. It's your word against ours, Schaefer. That ain't worth talking about. What are you after? Well, we've been after all along since we started giving your place a works. Extortion money. I won't pay. You're a tough nut, but we can crack you. Or maybe you got a reason. Huh? Reason? Don't play dumb. Are you already paying off? No. Maybe you got the hornet behind you. I don't deal with crooks. Any crooks. If you figure paying the hornet will keep us away, get it out of your head. We're controlling the parking lots, and the hornet ain't stopping us. Where is he? I don't know. I never saw him. We read the Sentinel. You got a note from him. Where is he? I tell you, I don't know. Sure, I got the note, but I didn't see him. You're paying us and nobody else, see? Uh, the phone. Get away from that. I'll answer it. Keep your gun on him, Hackley. Right. Hello, Schaefer parking lot. Let me speak to Schaefer. Uh, who wants him? This is the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet? What? Don't move. Green Hornet, huh? I, uh, I got your note. Is this Schaefer? Yeah, yeah, this is Schaefer talking. Uh, you calling about the note? When are you going to pay up, Schaefer? Pay up? Well... That's tall. You agreed already. Oh, so I agreed to pay you, did Don't I? Don't back out. No, no, I ain't backing down. Sure, I'll, I'll pay you, Sure. Uh, when are you coming around to collect? Sometime this week. Okay, Hornet, I'll, I'll pay you. I'll have the dough for you. When? When? Uh, how about tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night, uh, say around midnight. How's that? I'll be there, Schaefer. Okay, Hornet. 
Tomorrow night. He's coming here, Bleacher? Tomorrow night? It was a hornet, Hackley. He took me for Schaefer. So you was planning on paying the hornet off, huh, Schaefer? I'm not paying anyone. The hornet's coming here tomorrow, midnight. You have the dough ready for him, Schaefer, like you said you would. I tell you I'm not paying it. I was just talking to him. Hey, boss. Yeah? If we tell the cops, they can make a pinch. The hornet? Sure, he's due here. The cops can nab him like that. It'll get him out of the way for a long time. Listen, Hackley. The hornet's a crook and so are we. Everybody knows that. When I tell you to talk, I'll tell you, Schaefer. We're not telling the cops, Hackley. But we got This is our job, taking care of rats who try to cut in. We look after that baby ourselves. Yeah, I guess that's the regular way. It is. We'll be here and Schaefer ain't blabbing a word to nobody. No? You ain't got the nerve, Schaefer. I thought you were tough. But from what the Hornet said over the phone, it was him behind you that was giving you a backbone. Sure. Otherwise, Schaefer would have folded up like the rest of them parking lot owners when we put the pressure on. Yeah. Schaefer, you'll keep your mouth shut. Because you know if you don't, we'll shut it for good. And if we don't, the Hornet will. So you're playing ball with our team, see? The Hornet's coming here tomorrow night. And we'll be around to meet him with a dose of lead. Miss Kate, where's Reed? Well, he left about an hour ago, Gunnigan. Where? I don't know. Well, get him. Try his apartment. Try every place. I already have, but it's no soap, Gunnigan. I wanted to get in touch with him on another matter, and I couldn't locate him. He's missing something. Don't tell me it's another Hornet note. More than a note this time, Casey. Good grief. You mean they got the Hornet? Yep. Well, that is practically. When? About seven hours from now. They're brushing out a cell at headquarters already. Seven hours. I thought it was in the past, not the future. Casey, by the time tomorrow's Sentinel comes out, it will be over. The Green Hornet will be a crook with a past. And no future. There isn't much future in bars. Bars my foot. That baby will get the chair. Where are they going to pick him up? Right across the street. What? Right there. Shaver's parking lot, midnight tonight. But, but how do the police know? For a very good reason, Casey. The Shaver told them. Shaver himself? Mm, in person. Apparently, that guy has more fight than the Hornet and those other rats gave him credit for. They took it for granted he'd be too scared to spill. But they took it wrong. They? I thought you said it was the Hornet. Did I forget to mention Bleaker? What? Bleaker, too? The works, Casey. <laughs> Will this make a headline for the public gaze? I might try an experiment on this yarn. Slap the headline that new red ink instead of black. Got it all settled already, haven't you? <laughs> By gravy, Casey. You don't seem elated. Wake up! The Green Hornet's going to be captured. Yes, I can see that, and frankly, I'm a little bit sorry. Oh, you dames. You think he's a knight in armor. No, in a mask. Honestly, he's not as bad as he's painted. No! He's worse. Hey, Gunnigan, you've been looking for me. I'll say I have, Laurie. Where have you been? Downstairs in a place. Never mind, never mind, I know. You have an assignment tonight. Tonight? I was going to the fights. Throw the tickets in the ash can. This assignment is a racketeer roundup. Bleaker? Not only Bleaker, my little news hound. The big bug as well. Huh? The Will of the Wisp, known as the Green Hornet. Holy mackerel, Chief. When, where? You'll get the details later. Just be at Shaver's parking lot with the police tonight. Will I? This is better than any fight. Looks like the finish of the Hornet. Where'd you get the tip, Gunnigan? From Axford. He was at headquarters with his pile Doyle when Shaver came in. Axford? Good grief, Gunnigan. That big lug couldn't get anything straight. He's always wrong. It's probably a month from tonight. 
Schaefer never said anything. And besides, it wasn't the Green Hornet in the first place. Sure, that's how experts' tips always turn out. This time, it's accurate. I wouldn't bet a plug nickel on anything that guy... Lowry, I'm not a fool. I know how expert is. So I spoke to Doyle myself. This tip is authentic. The real McCoy. Well, that makes a difference. It does. Plenty. We'll hold page one open. Gosh, I wish I could get in touch with Mr. Reed. He'd want to know about this. He'll read it in tomorrow's Sentinel. Reed's plain out of luck, Casey. But what's the difference? He'll still be able to pay the reward for the capture of the Hornet. Now get going, Lowry. Over to police headquarters. I'm on my horse. Safer's parking lot, midnight. I'll be there. <laughs> No, there's no sign of anything yet. Uh, it's only 10 o'clock. What time are you cops going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, they said they'd be here around 12, but you better go over early. Huh? Be here before midnight? Okay, Sergeant, so long as you grab those crooks. Uh, sounds sensible. Cops not wanting to get here too soon in case Bleeker and the Hornet have someone watching. I want you, Schaefer. You! Get outside. You said 12 o'clock. Do as I say. Don't try anything like come out. The man out there with a gun on you. Yeah, I see him. Another man with a mask. Keep him there. I'll be out in a moment. Closing the door of the shack, Britt Reed took down the one window shade in the small office and replaced it with another he had prepared. And he shifted the desk lamp around. A few moments later... All right. Back inside, Schaefer. You put out the lights. I don't want you making any phone calls between now and midnight. A gun. Take it. Yes, you... I, I can't breathe. All right. To the Black Beauty. It's all ready, Mr. Britt? I fixed the window shade, Cato. I didn't like to gas him, but it was necessary for our plan. We're coming back? According to the way you prepared the gas, Schaefer should be unconscious till around midnight. When he recovers, he'll put on the lights. By that time, Bleeker and his rats will be here. We come back? Yeah, the Green Hornet will be here at midnight, Cato. But not in person. We got all the men placed around the parking lot. But where's Schaefer? Was he going to be here? Golly, that's what he said, Lowry. But there ain't no lights, not even in the shack. Almost 12. Come on, we'll go in. Oh. Holy crow, what's that? Turn on the light. Schaefer, what happened? I'm all right. The Green Hornet. Super snakes. Was he here already? He asked me and left. What time is it? It's almost 12. Hey, we better get out of here with the cops. Right. Come on. You stand right here outside the door where you told them crooks you would be. We'll have you covered. Okay. Remember, the cops want to catch the Hornet as well as Baker. Yeah, I got it. Car coming. Stay here, Schaefer. We'll be here within the shop. Hey, Lodi, I just noticed something. Stay here, you lug. Come on, out. back out of sight. Come on, Dirt Hackley. Who, who's that? Okay, Schaefer. Is the Hornet here yet? He was here. Now he's gone. What? So you called him after we left. Oh, I didn't. Oh, then he'll be back, huh? I guess so. Yeah, we'll get him. He ain't cutting in on us. But right now, end over that dough. Wait a minute. I, we I... wrecked your cars a couple of times already, Schaefer. Pay for protection or we'll do our final job. Hey, boss. Pay that dough you got for the Hornet. You'll take a him when he shows up. Boss, it's a Hornet. Huh? I didn't hear nothing. Sure, he's been here all the time. What? Look there, boss. See the lighted window of the office shack? What the? There's a shadow. You can see the profile of the mask. He's holding a gun. Listening, huh? Yeah. He don't know the light makes his shadow a perfect target. Well, what are you waiting for? Blast him to bits. Right through the window. That does it. Hey, he ain't falling down. He's got to. I caught him square. I can see the bullet holes in the window shade. Come on inside and we'll finish him. You too, Schaefer. Stick him up. Well, 
and I'll be a Dutch uncle. Look at that. Look at the cops. We're trapped. Make a break for it. Hey, where they are. Drop that gun. Take it. No, no, don't hit me. You, you got us. Dead to rights, you rat. We heard what you said to Schaefer. Get moving. Take these crooks to the jug. Okay, sir. Come on. I don't Hey, what about the Hornet? I heard those crooks say he was in here. Yeah, I saw him in the window. But where's he gone? There wasn't no one here when Bleeker shoved me in. Hey, Lodi. Holy crow, will you look at this window shade? Window shade? Axford, you going bats? Here, you can see for yourself. I tried to tell you I seen it from the outside, but she yanked me away. Holy mackerel. A paper cutout of the Hornet pasted on the window shade. You must have done that earlier. That's what Bleeker shot at from outside. Blast it, I don't know how, but the Hornet must have got suspicious. Sugar and snakes, Lowry. We better give gun and get the story. But golly, what kind of story is it when we ain't nabbed the green Hornet? <laughs> just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. The situations and characters depicted in this drama are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons or events of the past or present is coincidental. Field and Farrington speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Well, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Our Miss Brooks, followed by Suspense. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.